From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon was on the KINY Morning Show to talk about the election results and what's next for the Assembly. She said ballots are coming into the mail until next week. I just checked in with the clerk yesterday, and they're still receiving some ballots by mail, and they'll receive those until next week. And cure letters are out and are still going out, so make sure you'll be checking your mailbox. And the cure letters are typically, you either forgot to put an identifier, forgot to sign it, or your signature looks strange for some reason that day. She highlighted Proposition 4. Proposition number four, which is the man of dis- disclosure, which is the other tight one. Yes, vote 4,444, it's 4,113th against. So right now it looks like we're repealing that. We don't have any meetings until the 24th, which is our reorganization meeting, which is usually a little bit different. But since we didn't change any faces, and obviously all the candidates were unopposed, so they all won. But we didn't change any faces on the assembly, so it's not going to be as big a deal as it was. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon. The Juno Economic Development Council is joining the Alaska State Committee for Research in seeking nominations for the Alaska Innovators Hall of Fame. Executive Director Brian Hulse spoke to that while on Action Line. It's a statewide program. The State Committee on Research with the University of Alaska promotes the Innovators Hall of Fame. December 16th is the deadline, and what we're looking for are nominations of Alaskans that have contributed invention that has had a positive impact on Alaska's economy. And they can be current inventions, but they can also be historical inventions. Um, it, it's, it's just an effort to uh, recognize and celebrate the innovations that occur um, in our state and encourage people to continue to, to be innovators. Mm-hmm. So the website, it's on the University of Alaska Fairbanks uh, University of Alaska System website at the State Committee on Research. You can find a link at our website as well. Nominees who are selected by the State Committee for Research will be members of the class of 2023 and will be inducted at the Innovation Summit held in Juneau on March 15th and 16th next year. There are several industries in Alaska that are projected to grow in the next 10 years. In 2019, Alaska had 330,000 jobs in total. In 2020, that went down to 302,000. A projection going to 2030, though, suggests the state will have 343,000 jobs. The oil and gas industry in the state lost 2,000 jobs from 2019 to 2020 and another 1,500 in 2021. From peak employment in 2015 through 2021, the combined oil-gas industries lost 8,400 jobs. Alaska Department of Labor economist Paul Martz projects recovery to be slow. And we expect oil and gas to essentially recover. Um, the the primary companies um, will be mostly flat, but the services, the people that are actually out, you know, providing the services to those companies, doing the contracts and, and the contracted work, they're expected to grow, um, you know, a little bit, not a lot. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty around this projection as well, but uh, we, we do expect them to recover at least to the 2019 levels. From 2020, mineral mining will add a projected 600 jobs through 2030. Martz said mining continued to grow during COVID, adding 70 jobs in 2020 and 197 in 2021. It is one of the faster growing um, industries, 22.6% um, based on 2019 to 2030. It's about 650 to 700 jobs um, there. And that's mostly just um, continuation of existing mines. We don't have any 
uh, new mine explicit in these projections. Um, it's, it's it's so we got Red Dog, uh, Greens Creek, yeah. uh, Kensington, Pogo, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fort Knox, Fort Knox. Oh, yeah, that, that's yeah. right. Yep. And so, yeah. So we don't have any like new mines explicitly included in the projections, but the the one mine we do talk about being kind of the next closest to to occur furthest along in the process, I guess, would be Donlin, and that would be pretty substantial increase that we you know are definitely keeping an eye on. Mart says the leisure and hospitality sector represented just over a third of all jobs Alaska lost in 2020, representing 9,600 jobs lost of the 26,200, a 26% loss. By 2030, Mart's projects the industry will recover pandemic losses and add another 900 jobs for a total growth rate of 10.1%. The Sitka Assembly has approved a contract with their public safety union. The contract between the city and the Public Safety Employees Association was approved Tuesday night. In the agreement, there is an all there is an across-the-board increase of 8% for cost-of-living increases, as explained by labor negotiator Kimberly Garrity. The economic package, that we ended up with an 8% across-the-board cost-of-living. We did market adjustments for some of the job classes, which were necessary given the market. We particularly looked at Ketchikan for the dispatchers and the police officers, and when we made those adjustments, then we had to also make adjustments in the sergeants and the dispatch supervisors in order to keep that um, percentage difference between subordinate and supervisor at the right place. The deal also includes a 3.5% increase for next year and a 4% increase for the year after that. Also in the agreement is a one-time $500 lump sum to recognize their service. Labor is just not available. Shortages, vacancies, we needed to do whatever we could do to try and improve our competitiveness in this area. And the one-time lump sum was an opportunity to reward, if you would, their hard work over the COVID period just acknowledge that they were there as first responders, recognize their service. The agreement was approved by the Sitka Assembly unanimously. The gubernatorial debate this week held by the Resource Development Council for Alaska sparks flew over several issues, but one that was described by the Alaska Beacon was the long-desired but never-built pipeline shipping massive reserves of North Slope natural gas to markets. The question of the candidates was, what is your vision for monetizing Alaska's natural gas resources? Governor Mike Dunleavy says Alaska has never been closer to a gas line. We've never been closer to a gas line than we are today. <clears throat> we have our project, a project is permitted, was permitted in 2020, not before then. $26.3 billion in loan guarantees from the federal government. We have the, uh, this project has the lowest carbon footprint of any project in the world, and the Japanese know that and investors know that. We've got a lot of folks looking at the project. We're having meetings as we speak right now. There'll be meetings again over in Asia, meetings in Texas. We've got investors looking at this. This will be the first time, and we're this close to a private sector-led project as opposed to a project in which members in this uh, organization's arms and arms will be twisted and some may be threatened. We're not going to do that. We're going to let the market be part of this, and right now the market's working. So don't be surprised that in the very near future, a very near future, there's an announcement that's real, not one that's make-believe. 
Former Governor Bill Walker accused Dunleavy of abandoning momentum for a liquefied natural gas project that had been building for years. When I was governor, we went to the market. The market's the most critical part of a project. Exxon told me once in their office, the most critical part, they've actually entered into contracts before they found the gas. We find the gas every day, put it back in the ground. The response to our approach on the gas line with the market, uh, it largely is the result of President Trump's help. Uh, we ended up, when I left office, there were 15 non-binding uh, MOUs with, from Co-Gas, Tokyo, Tokyo Gas and Electric, the largest buyers of LNG in the world, all came and signed up and said, we want a piece of this, of this, of this project. After I left, those were allowed to expire. I received calls from Mr. Hiroshi, the president of Tokyo Gas, about a month when I was out of office, said, what happened? Our, our calls aren't returned. What's, what's going on? What happened? So we had an election. I know we had an election, but what happened? Why are our calls are not being, being returned? So um, it's um, uh, very frustrating to know how close we were. To say we're closer today than ever is absolutely not a true statement. Former Representative Les Gara says that while he has supported various governors' gas pipelines plans, the project has to be modernized for an age when carbon emissions and global climate change are top concerns. You haven't heard a word about the gas pipeline from this governor for his first three years. Only during this election year have you started to, to hear interest again in a gas line. I mean, come on. You, you can't just do things during an election year. Um, and so uh, I'm not a big fan of cutting a deal with the Chinese. But, um, but if we can make a gas line work, we should. It's going to require that it be a modern gas pipeline that is green, that captures carbon, that sequesters carbon, because nobody is looking for dirty energy and nobody is looking for global warming energy at this point. Former Kenai Peninsula Borough Mayor Charlie Pierce says liquefied natural gas needs to be incentivized. If you look at Cook Inlet, for example, and, and you look at the, the decline in the production in Cook Inlet, they've actually talked about importing natural gas into Alaska. I worked for a company that actually considered that over the years that I was working there, when I was working there, and I, I thought that that would be a very embarrassing day in the state of Alaska where we have a tanker, the LNG tanker that pulls up uh, from a port, probably from Canada, produced in Canada, that offloads into Alaska. And, uh, again, you look at the number of customers that are here, uh, the folks that live in Alaska look at Alaska like a division problem. Cost of everything we do is very expensive. Capital cost is very expensive. Labor costs are high. Insurance costs. And then you've got the regulatory issues in, to, to mix. We've got a lot of challenges. And then we have uh, a resource that uh, why would you produce it? Why is the producer going to go out and drill a hole? Why? Where's the customers? Audio credit to the Anchorage Daily News. Meanwhile, Governor Dunleavy has indicated that he will vote in favor for calling a convention to consider amending the state's constitution. Candidates for governor at the forum Tuesday were asked if they would be voting for a convention in next month's general election. The Anchorage Daily News reported that candidates responded by raising yes or no signs. Dunleavy and Republican Pierce raised yes signs. Walker and Gara raised no signs. Voters are asked every 10 years if there should be a constitutional convention. While, in, while the question has in the past been soundly defeated, both sides of the debate have been preparing for a fight this year. An Anchorage man has pleaded guilty to two counts of illegally trafficking in walrus ivory in U.S. District Court and ordered to pay a $4,000 fine and sentenced to two years probation. Uzi Levy, 71, of Anchorage, purchased six non-handicraft Pacific walrus tusks and one three-tusk non-handcrafted 
Pacific walrus head mount from an undercover U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service special agent, all of which is in violation of the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Levi pleaded guilty to both counts and was sentenced before Chief United States District Court Judge Sharon Gleason. U.S. Attorney Lane Tucker for the District of Alaska made the announcement. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service investigated the case. Bartlett Regional Hospital has announced the first recipients of the Fireweed Award for their exceptional care and service to the community. In July, the hospital invited members of the community and staff to nominate an employee for the award. 71 nominations were sub submitted this quarter, and four employees were randomly selected for hospital-wide recognition. Laura McDermott and Hannah Marco are obstetrics nurses who were nominated by a patient for their encouragement and support to her as a first-time mother. Gina Heffern is a pharmacist who was nominated by a colleague for her thorough work ethic and wonderful disposition. Gretchen Glasby is a clinical informatics pharmacist who was nominated by a colleague for her ability to prioritize high-yield projects while providing supreme patient care. A celebration event was held on campus this week. Each recipient received a recognition pin, a gift card courtesy of the Bartlett Regional Hospital Foundation, and a designated parking spot for the quarter. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.